Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. There's about 57 Muslim states in the world. There's one Jewish state. The massive ingathering of Jews in the last 150 years back to the land is absolutely unprecedented. They say that there's no greater sign of redemption coming than the Jewish people returning to the hills of Judea. As a Christian, I've always supported Israel's claim to the Holy Land. To me, the Palestinians were just getting in the way of God's plan. But the way I viewed the other side created a conflict within me. I cannot comprehend in any way God's will for a certain group of people having to deal directly with the suffering of another people. 300,000 Palestinians are unemployed. Most Palestinians have only seen Israeli soldiers and settlers, and I tell you, they are not very friendly. I don't hate. But if you throw a stone at me or try and stab me, I will kill you. Can you imagine as a child you grew up in the Palestinian society, all what has been heard about the Jews, they want to kill us, they want to drink our blood. So what I felt is full of bitterness, full of hate. I'm I don't think the people hate Palestinians. People don't want just to live. They don't want to die. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 360. Out now on digital and Blu-ray is Hope in the Holy Land, a documentary that follows American Christian Todd Moorhead as he travels across the Holy Land to confront his indifference toward the Palestinians in the search for the deeper truths behind one of the most perplexing and debated conflicts in the world a compelling and illuminating delve into a contentious issue that has no end in sight. Hope in the Holy Land dares to ask the question, what will it take for Israel and Palestine to put aside their differences as adversaries and love one another as neighbours? And joining me now to talk about Hope in the Holy Land is none other than Todd Moorhead himself. Todd, I thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. So reading up about yourself and about the documentary, you know, you've been to Israel a whole bunch of times before you even did this film in your previous film, Promised Land. I think you've taken groups over there maybe 25 times or so. What was the yeah. appeal to Israel to you to the extent that you have arranged, even before making these documentaries that you have in Hope in the Holy Land and the Promised Land beforehand, that you've arranged people to go over there and, and see the country and take part of it? What was the overall appeal to it uh to yourself as both a christian and just as a human being yeah uh, i get that question a lot and um you know it started really young i would say pre-teens um god really put the jewish people and israel on my heart 
And at the time, I thought it was totally normal that um, every Christian had a love for the Jewish people and even maybe a fascination with Israel. Uh, I, you know, as I grew up, I, <laughs> I quickly realized that this was not the case. But nevertheless, um, my passion grew, and um, I began taking people over there in 2006. Um, and I used to take surfers over there, and we would do like surf trips to the Holy Land and see the it's like a biblical pilgrimage and add surfing to it. Um, and and then I would just take um, you know non-surfers as well over the years as well. And so that led into. Uh, the promised land movie, which I made, which is a story of Israel told through the eyes of surfers. Um, Israel has, you know, a surf population of like 20 to 30,000. And um, they all have the same story of every other Israeli. And I thought, what a unique perspective to tell the story of Israel through their lens. So one thing kind of led to another. And then open the Holy land was birthed out of even, even promised land, I would say. With Promised Land, you directed that film, um, but with right. Hope in the Holy Land, you have Jesse Schlanz who directs this one. Why the decision to move away from directing in regards to this film? Was it a case of the subject being so dense and so large and you needed to be a person on screen interviewing different people and such? Did you just feel that maybe directing this time needed to be handed to someone else for that just that extra assistance in regards to this project? Yeah, and I, I felt where I was best used is um, more of a producer role. And obviously the lens, the story is told through um, my my character. So just being freed up to not have to deal with all that stuff. And even the producer, um, producer title, I, I didn't produce so much while in the field. It was Justin Crone who produced while we we're in the field but we both produced um, and created the film together. And all, most of my producing was before and after the filming trips. And we did three filming trips for this for this particular movie, for Hope in the Holy Land. That started in, was from what I read, it was 2016, 2017, 2018. Those are three different years you went over? Right, correct. Yeah. And it's really interesting, that timeline, between 2016 and 2020, of course, when the Trump administration was in, and there's a lot of people talk about how when he was in office in the Middle East, specifically in, in Israel, there was not so much not much violence as it were, um, even in, in, in this year. Did you feel yourself that when you were over there, that when um, Trump was president of America, that there was a different type of um, uh, feeling in the air um, in Israel compared to um, previous years? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if I noticed anything on the ground because it's not always just on the ground, but it's it's like a regional, um, you know, there could be a regional tensity or a regional peace as well. And I and I know that that is true that the region and even the you know the Palestinian territories in Israel, they uh, they did much better under the Trump administration um, than previous years, and then even right now um but did i notice it on the ground i can't i can't tell you that it was like much different for me Mm. you know it's interesting you are trading into new territory not only philosophically and ideologically but literally you're going into areas you probably haven't been before in regards to where to go who to talk to what type of prep do you need to kind of kind of know 
which places and which people to talk to about this issue while you're over in Israel and Palestine. Um, when you, with your previous trips there, have you made uh, friends in, on both sides um, of of the kind of like of, of the debate, or did you have to really kind of reach out and talk to people maybe you haven't talked to before in order to get to the answers that uh, you're searching for? Yeah, most of this was new territory for both Justin Crone and I, um, and. And the, our contacts came through uh, just reaching out consistently to people and talking about the film. And then we'd hear, we'd get networked with somebody to say, they would say, you need to talk to this guy. This is mm -hmm. the guy you need to interview. You get a hold of that person, schedule an interview for that next trip. And that's really how it went all the way through the, um, through the five-year process. It was a five-year uh, production for us. So, and post-production, sorry, but, um, yes, tons of networking and it was all very new as far as who we were meeting with. When it came to the, the title of the film, I also read, I think I heard an interview that Justin um, did where he talked about previously the, the title of the film was Hope for the Holy Land and that changed to Hope in the Holy Land. And clearly yourself, Todd and, and Justin and everyone else involved with the film is, is approaching the film approaching the subject with 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 hope with with the hope that there's a, a spirit will, will come from this and that hopefully perceptions will change. But once you're out there and once you're talking to people, and do you ever find yourself kind of like doubting the 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 aim of the project? Do you ever find yourself thinking that maybe we can't find a a a, a spirit that can bring everyone together here? We can't find the answers to the questions that we're looking for. Oh, I would say that during the darkest moments of the filming that was um that thought was very heavy on my heart that it seemed very hopeless and you know that's well documented in the movie um you know and, and then obviously things changed and and we found we found aspects of hope and um you know silver lining as well so i and i you know i do remember the day that we changed the film from hope for the Holy land to the title from hope for the Holy land to hope in the Holy land. And it's when we're in, in the land and Justin came out of his, his bedroom before we were, uh, you know, one, one morning preparing and he comes out of his bedroom as if we were already in a conversation. I hadn't even said anything to him that day. And he's like, it's hope in the Holy land. It's hope in the Holy land. Mm. <laughs> and I, and I think the difference there was, we're there. It, it took on a whole different meaning uh, from from the word for to in, because we're actually participating in what that hope might look like. When I watched the movie afterwards, I was thinking to myself, this is a movie about perceptions and confirmations. And what I mean by that is I think everyone approaches contentious issues like the Israel-Palestine kind of conflict with perceptions about who is who, what is what, et cetera. When you approached this subject yourself, did you have perceptions about what was going on over there? And after you had your five-year experience of putting this film together, talking to people, boots on the ground, did any of your perceptions confirmed or did you find the majority of them were um, confronted and changed? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I had, you know, and, and nobody, nobody goes into anything with a clean slate, uh, especially after being in the, you know, being in Israel over 25 times. Um, so I had a lot of preconceived ideas. And as I began to do more man on the street interviews, 
uh, especially within the Palestinian territories or um, Judea or Samaria, um, those perceptions were actually confirmed, but it was confirmed more radically than I ever imagined Mm. with the, the, the just viral anti-Semitism and the, and the hatred towards um, Israelis really. And they would say Zionist. They wouldn't say so. They wouldn't say Jews. They would, they would say, you know, we hate the Zionists, but what they're saying is any Jew who has national aspirations in that land, they hate them. Um, And so that, those, that stuff was confirmed for me. And I'll give you a couple examples. We would, we would go and do man on the street interviews, both in Israel and the territory, Palestinian territories. And I would ask a set of um, the same questions. And then when I got into the Palestinian territories, we would ask them conspiracy theory questions to see mm-hmm. if that's really what they held true, because that's what we heard. Some of them, uh, I'll read a couple to you. Uh, do you believe the Jews want to take over the whole world? Mm-hmm. Do you believe the Holocaust happened? Do you believe the Jews were the ones who attacked the USA on 9-11? Do you believe the stabbing attacks a few years ago were faked by the Israeli government? And do you believe the Jews are sons of apes and pigs? Almost all of these um, these questions were affirmed. Uh, And that when we get to the Holocaust, they would say, a lot of them would say, no, I don't believe the Holocaust happened. Or if it did happen, the numbers were far exaggerated. They were more like six thousands or, or something, and they only exaggerated them so uh, the world would be sympathetic, so they could come take us over, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff was far more radical than I had ever anticipated. Um, and then, but but where I was confronted was the humanity, and when you start talking to people on both sides of the of the conflict. And you began to, and you have, you, you know, you share a dinner with them or a lunch with them. You began to see them um, as image bearers of God and all people matter to God. And that's what changed it for me that the Palestinians I met who I might've formerly thought as, you know, my enemy, even um, I became, you know, I, I gained a lot of friendships and I tried my very best to see life what life was like through their eyes and to have empathy with them. And many, I mean, there, there's some amazing people and, and the Palestinians are known for being an incredibly hospital, um, hospi- uh, hospitable. So I would say I was all confronted in that stuff of, of, uh, of how I actually viewed the Palestinians. I think what's important about your film, which I really appreciate is that, you do go out to places like Palestine and you you communicate with people, you talk to people, you ask the questions and you seek the answers. And I think that's something that's really missing from our day and age, especially like in the Western world as it is in America, as it is in Australia. People have seemed to be more divided and cemented into their own kind of like um, viewpoints of how things are and don't want to budge about things. And I think what's really cool about Hope in the Holy Land is that, you you know, you talk to people and you are, you um, are confronted with this kind of like really strong kind of anti-Semitism and such. But then when you delve deeper, you find out that a lot of this is really generational indoctrination. Sometimes people 
talk this way because they're taught the wrong thing. And I think it's really important for people to realize that that a lot of times hatred and or or of another person or suspicious upon another person comes comes from generations of indoctrination from beforehand. And I think that's something that, you know, in especially regards to the Palestinian people, that's something that really needs to be confronted, isn't it? I mean, things aren't going to change until, you know, barriers are broken down and they actually find out who exactly the Israeli people are as opposed to who they perceive the Israeli people are. Yeah, that makes all the difference. Actually, and educating people for peace. Um, yeah, for over 70 years, the Palestinians have been indoctrinated to hate and it's become part of their school curriculums. Uh, it's actually a part of the UN curriculum. The, the UN curriculum just adopted the Palestinian curriculum. Hmm. So they were never, the, those poor children over there are still indoctrinated to hate and they're taught the most terrible things about Israelis and about Jews, uh, much much like what happened in um, Nazi Germany. They, be, you know, they believe almost all of that stuff, uh, the protocols of the elders of Zion, all that stuff that led up to the Holocaust is, is, is um, widely accepted in the Palestinian world. And so it's those brave souls within the Palestinian society who have stepped out of the, out of the comforts of what their, you know, what their, um, their narrative is, you know, what's acceptable within <laughs> in their social circles. And they've got outside to make Israeli friends, Jewish friends. And they realize that there's humanity on the other side. And there's actually very, very good people on the other side, not like what they've been taught at all, not even close to what they've been taught. And that's actually happened on both sides. But within the Palestinian territories, um, that seems to be that's the difference between uh, those Arabs who know the truth of what's going on and those who are just stuck within their society. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show.
How much of all of this do you think is theologically driven versus politically driven? Because I find that, so my background is Croatian. And um, mm-hmm. as you remember from a couple of decades back, there was a very similar kind of war that happened in the former Yugoslavia between the Croatians and the Serbians. And even that kind of conflict was goes back generational. I mean, there's a lot of things happening there. It's very similar to what's happening right now and has been happening between Israel and Palestine. And a lot of the times, theological and even like a religious kind of uh, elements kind of creep in into the political thing. And it all kind of turns to this really kind of murky kind of minefield that people kind of exploit a lot of the times. And I found it really interesting that when you were speaking to Palestinian Christians, they brought up something called Palestinian liberation theology. And from what I can gather from it, it's pretty much them taking the Bible, but then twisting things in the Bible to suit their political agenda. Is that a kind of like a correct assessment of, of that? That's a great assessment. It's taking uh, taking things and twisting it and then ignoring entire swaths of scripture that don't yeah. agree with your narrative. Huge. Entire books. Um, yeah. So simply put, though, you did a great job. But when it comes to the other side of the debate, when a lot of people are critical of Israel, there's certain factors that come up. One of the big ones is a whole issue of settlements in the West Bank. And you actually went out and you talked to people who are in those settlements, you know, um, Israeli people, a lot of them from America, surprisingly, people from America going over to Israel and then claiming what they perceive as their birthright and, and, and such. When it comes to the whole issue of settlements and such, that is such a big thorn in, in the in the, in, the, in the crawl of many people in regards to the whole Israel-Palestinian conflict. How did what was your perception of that when you're going into it? And after talking to the people in the settlements, even though they they you know what their intentions are and you know where they're coming from, do you still believe that perhaps that kind of whole issue, unless that is really tackled and really kind of you know settled, unless that issue is taken care of, there, there won't be any type of steps towards trying to find peace between Palestine and Israel. Yeah, uh, so my perception of settlers before was probably what you would see, somewhat what you would see in the mainstream media in the West, uh, a negative perception of settlers that, you know, they're stealing land, kind of Wild West gun yielding, even racist. And then when I met the ones that I did, I met I met quite a few, um, it, it shattered everything, all my perceptions. And it turns out that the settlers that I met had way more Palestinian friends um, and relationships and business co-ops than let's say the average Israeli for sure. I mean, the average Israeli doesn't even meet a Palestinian, but those settlers are living next to Palestinians and they're the ones that are actually working with them and, and forging new business opportunities. And it's remarkable. And that and I didn't meet any that hate, you know, obviously there's racism everywhere. There's hate everywhere. But to categorize settlers as racist or, um, you know, having hatred towards Palestinians, I would say that's just not true of what I've seen. Um, you know, there's, there is that fringe element. But so that, you know, that was really... Um, eye-opening for me to actually meet them and to experience that. And sorry, what was the second part of that, that question? Well, I was just talking about um, what will it, when it comes to settlements themselves, 
but doesn't it right. have to, to come down to the fact that that subject, that approach really needs to be tackled head on before they can, any steps can be moved forward to, to garnering some type of peace you know, in between Israel and Palestine? Yeah, so that would be the popular narrative that is is commonly pushed. I would say, no, that that is not the problem. And, and in fact, um, you go to the universities or anywhere where there's, um, you know, pal- you know, liberate Palestinian marches, liberating Palestine and, and which are huge. They're prolific. They're all over the world. Their slant is from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. Mm. And what does that mean? It, so means, it pretty the, much means the, the abolition of the Israeli state. The, the entire thing from the Jordan yes. river to the Mediterranean sea, it will all be the Palestinians or the Arabs and the Jews will be kicked out. And that's what they've been saying all along. They'll say one thing to the West, uh, the leadership, and they will say something totally different in Arabic of pushing the, the Jews into the sea and wiping them out. And that's what they said in 1948 during that war. And that's what they, you know, they, they said up in many of the other wars where they tried to completely annihilate the Jewish state. How much do you think the um, in regards to the perceptions that we did have beforehand, especially in regards to the whole issue of settlements and such, how much do you think the media takes responsibility for pushing that narrative forward, especially in regards to, you know, there's this whole kind of movement happening now, which is the BDS movement, which you, you approach in, in, the, in the documentary. And for people who don't know, BDS means boycott, um, divestment and sanctions. It pretty much is a protest movement to, it's an activist movement to, urge companies or artists, et cetera, not to visit Israel or promote their product in Israel, et cetera. And actually recently, I think Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream company, actually said that they're right. going to not do anything in Israel anymore, which, um, which uh, you know, it's kind of mind-boggling to me why an ice cream company would delve into these kind of things in the first place. But regardless of that, how much do you think the media takes responsibility for a lot of these things, the perceptions and narratives that people have towards the is- Israel as a country in regards to the conflict between Israel and Palestine? I, I would say the vast majority is their responsibility. I could see if they if they handled it much different, uh, perceptions would be a lot more clear. Or, you know, the knowledge of what's really going on would be a lot more clear. I mean, we're, we're living in a world where Hamas has become freedom fighters. Mm. <laughs> I mean, a terrorist organization that seeks to destroy innocent civilians. And they're, they're not much different than uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS. They're not that far less radical. And yet our Western media has almost given them like a free pass of like, you guys are the freedom fighters. You, you, sh- you guys can shoot 10,000 rockets at Israeli civilians. And we, we won't say much about it, but when Israel defends itself, we'll, we'll, make sure we're right there and, and posting all the pictures of that Hamas has given them of, you know, dead Palestinian children who, and, and in those cases, a lot of those poor children that died were from, uh, you know, rockets that were fired from within Gaza that didn't even make it over the border, but mm. nobody cares. Once, once Hamas releases those photos to the AP or whoever it is, damage is done and people believe it. When it comes to this documentary, 
you know, it's really interesting. Like I said before, my background is Croatian and I've gone through mm-hmm. my family and, and, and people of Croatia went through a similar thing with the war against Serbia. That ended up being peacefully resolved after many years and now both countries live in peace side by side by each other. You look at Ireland as well around the same time in the late 80s, early 90s between the Protestants and the Catholics and then that kind of reached a, a point as well of a peace accords and such. Um, the whole Israel and Palestine kind of like it just feels like that's more further away than before, especially in regards to this year. We've seen the recent state of attacks between both countries and everything that happened there. When it comes to your documentary, there's a spirit to it that really hopes that they can we can find the humanity between both sides and that people do talk to each other and try to find a resolution. But how hopeful should we find that that could happen? I mean, it has happened before other countries, but do you think that Israel-Palestine conflict is on its own its own kind of thing and can't be compared to anything else and because of that maybe new approaches need to be taken to how to achieve peace before between both countries wow yeah you know i don't know how to compare it to other conflicts uh just because i'm not an expert on any other conflict nor am i an expert on the israeli-palestinian conflict um you know but it it's a very it's a very complicated situation and the what we're doing with the media is actually making it worse. Mm. And so we talked about BDS. BDS is boycott, divest, and sanctions uh, claims to be for the Palestinian people, but it's actually making things worse. And they're and they don't they're totally against normalizing relationships with Israelis and Palestinians, which leads to peace. That leads to business op- opportunities and and flourishing of, of economies for two peoples, but they're against that. So by, by feeding into these uh, narratives, these false narratives, we're actually making the situation worse. So, you know, we didn't set out to solve the conflict by any means, no. uh, but we want to be people who stand for truth and, and what is right. And so, we want to part of part of what we want to do is to give voice to those Arabs who are standing up for what is right and who are risking their lives to stand up for what is right. And they, and they really are, they live in a society where they can, if, if they're, if they are caught normalizing their, you know, with Israelis, meaning being friends with Jews and Israelis, they could be killed. That's it's like treason. So um, we want to give voice to that those, those people because who who are you? Who's most likely to be telling the truth? The guy who is you know towing the the party line for seventy years, who's saying what everybody else is saying about the, the Israelis and about the situation, or the guy in his society who is willing to risk his life to to stand up for the truth. It's probably the guy who's willing to risk his life. Because he's taking way more risk of what he's saying and what he's uh, what he's trying to tell the world. So we're trying to give voice to those people. In the end, though, it's all about having a spirit of love for your neighbor, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So whether whether um, there ever you know is peace in our lifetime, it's it's not really the point. It's it's the point is how in our hearts. How are we going to view them? Are we going to hate them? Or are we going to love them as Jesus did 
um, love is, you know, he commanded love your enemies. And that's really the hardest part. And what, and I made the film and I'm challenged by this because I, you know, you have neighbors and you have things that make you mad. And I'm daily confronted with what I learned in filming for Hope in the Holy Land. And that's to love those people in my life who seem rather unlovable to me. And it's not something I could do on my own. That's something that I believe that only the, <laughs> the strength of, of Jesus can do in me. But um, that, that's really the essence right there. So for everyone listening, Hope in the Holy Land, available now on digital and Blu-ray, you can go in hopeintheholyland.com to actually um, buy or rent the copy on digital or to purchase the Blu-ray. And um, it's available now on uh, Salem now. But uh, Todd, you were telling me off air before that uh, at the end of the, um, August, I think it was, it's going to be available on other platforms as well. August 15th, it will be available on all the major platforms like iTunes and and the like. And it should be available in Australia as well. So for everyone, time. Out, everyone out there listening, mark that in your calendar for people who can go to hopeintheholdenland.com, seek it out this movie, this documentary watch it it's a it's a beautifully made documentary i forgot to to say that as well you know you come across a lot of documentaries and um the quality of the film um the filmmaking isn't the best but the filmmaking here is quite excellent as well so a really great work there todd and you know thank congratulations you congratulations to you and to your crew um to really going out there boots on the ground talking to people i think it's really important that people talk to one another and get to the bottom of these issues because Otherwise, all you have left at the end of the day is just your perceptions, and that could be a dangerous thing. And I think open communication and, and, and talking about the issues and hashing things out is the way to go. And, you know, like you said, your documentary isn't going to bring about, you know, peace in the Middle East, and no one no one would imagine that to be so. But it's important to get the conversation started, and I think you're doing a great job there. So congrats with oh, the documentary, you, and um, hopefully we can talk again in the future. If you have future movies, please let me know, and I'd love to talk to you again. Sounds good. I look forward to it.